Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Come on now. Aren't you glad you came to church on Sunday? Man, it is fall time, cold, cool, football season, and allergy season. How many of you thank God for allergy season? Hey, welcome to LifePoint Church, everybody. My name is Mike Burnett. I'm uh, currently suffering through a little bit, so just bear with me today. But I'm so honored to have you here, especially if this is your first time with us. We want to say welcome to our first-time guests. Come on, LifePoint, say what's up to our guests today. Also, everybody joining us online and at our Austin P. State University campus. We're so thankful for all of you guys. Stephanie, my wife, and I are so honored to serve as pastors here. And we want to say again, welcome to you, and thanks for being here. We've got a just a lot of great stuff happening. We're already looking forward to Christmas, everybody. I don't know if you know this, but we're like less than two months. We're at right around two months away. So just get ready. I've been telling you for like nine months. I don't know what's wrong, you know. Everybody's like, oh man, here it is. Can you believe that? But uh, hey, uh, wanna say we got a lot of cool things going on, including our serve day coming up this Saturday, everybody. I wanna encourage everybody in our church to serve somebody this weekend. Listen. It is not hard to serve a neighbor, serve a coworker, serve somebody this weekend. And if you need help, let me encourage you as a small group to join together and say, hey, what is our project we're gonna do this weekend? We've got a number of projects listed on our website and I would love for you to go there, lifepointchurch.tv and get on our website, find one of our projects this Saturday morning and uh, let's serve our city. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve other people. And I've always said, if you wanna be more like Jesus, serve somebody, amen, everyone? Very excited for that. Hey, as always, I wanna take a moment and say thanks for being a generous church. We believe in and practice bringing our tithes to the Lord and we do that through the church. The tithe, scripture teaches, is our first 10% that, that the Lord has given us, we give back to him. How many of you know everything, the Bible says everything on earth is God's anyway and everything you have is his and so we bring our first 10th portion as a, as a way of showing honor and thanks and giving worship to God. And so if LifePoint Church is your home church, I wanna encourage you to be disciplined in this area of tithing and giving generously. The Apostle Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, he said, each person must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, which is why we don't ever want anyone to feel manipulated or arm twisted here. The, the Message Bible says it like this, I don't want you to feel like I'm twisting your arm to give. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, how do you get to a place when giving is a cheerful thing, and I think it's when you decide how you're going to give. I've just decided this is something I'm going to do. It's like working out. I, you know, I joke when I say I, I, nobody likes running. They like finishing runs. Can I hear an amen from everybody, right? <clears throat> nobody enjoys the pounding the pavement, just being alone in your thoughts. And, but when you get done, you like telling everybody, I ran a 1K today. Like, I just ran a quarter of my neighborhood today. Bless God. I'm fit and trim. Give me some donuts. Like, <clears throat> But you're cheerful when you've done something you've decided to do. And what, what some people interpret that to mean is I've decided in my heart how much to give. And the Bible tells us how much to give. The Bible teaches us to give a tithe, which is our first tenth portion. And then the Bible says to give as the Lord directs us, right? So that's when offerings come in and God will direct you to give a big tip or to big, give a, a big gift to a building program or to missions proje projects or to, to bless your neighbor, whatever it is. God will direct you how much to give, but you have to decide that you're gonna give. And so when the scripture says, each one must 
give as he has decided in his heart. I've got two ways that I think we should decide how to give. Number one is faithfully and generously. Number two, generously. Faithfully is I'm gonna obey God in tithing and generously is I'm gonna give when God directs me to give beyond that. And here's what I believe. When you've decided I'm gonna be a faithful and a generous giver, then your decision and your obedience produces cheerfulness because you go, man, I'm so thankful I get to do this. I'm so glad that I get to do this. It's not a burden. I'm not manipulated and arm twisted. I've decided that I'm gonna be a faithful and a generous giver because God loves it when we give cheerfully. Can I hear an amen, everybody? It brings us back to serving on a dream team and getting to be a part of Serve Day. Just decide, I'm gonna give up my Saturday morning to serve for five hours and do something in my city. Or I'm gonna, I've decided that part of me going to church on a Sunday is I attend a service and I serve a service. Can all the dream teamers say amen? Amen. And all the rest of you say amen. Amen. You called your own self out. See what I just, that was so good. God loves a cheerful giver. And man, we just are so honored that we get to do this and serve the Lord in this way. So thank you so much for your generosity. Whether you give online or in the mail, however you wanna do it, Thank you, as a pastor of this church, I wanna say thank you for your generosity. Hey, today we are in our fourth week of our Jesus Said series, looking at the red letters of Jesus. How many of you have been blessed or challenged or moved by this series at all this, so far this month? Uh, this is probably the fifth time, maybe the sixth time since I've been pastor here that we've done a red letter series. I, I just love that you can never get, go wrong with getting into the teaching of our master, our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so I encourage you during this series, read your four gospels, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read them again, read them again, get very familiar. In fact, I think Christians should be experts in what Jesus said. So this series is about looking at the words and teachings of Jesus. And so far in this series, we've looked at the, the great invitation from Jesus. The first week was come unto me, everyone, who labors heavy laden, life is heavy and hard. And he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we're invited into intimacy and like, like, like yoking yourself to Jesus is saying, I am bound to you and learning from him. The second week, Pastor Anthony Daly invited us to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. What a unique approach to that text. And man, he's just such, I, I've had a number of people say what a fireball preacher he is. And then they say, you need to up your game, Pastor. I was like, well... I'll stay steady and calm, and I just don't like to sweat that much, you know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> then last week, I preached what I believe is one of the hardest things Jesus ever said in Luke 17, uh, basically said, I have to be first or you're not really my disciple. I mean, it's a tough word, right, everybody? And so hopefully this week you've been evaluating, God, where are you not in first position, like in my life? And so he said, I have to be in first position at all times, and in doing that, that's actually real life. That's full life with Christ. So we put Jesus ahead of everyone and everything. So since you brought your Bible, turn with me to John 17 as we look at a text, and I've titled the message, When Jesus Prayed for Us, specifically for you and me, like for us, Jesus actually prayed for us. I wanna read John 17, and I'm gonna give some highlights from the whole chapter, and then we're gonna focus on verses 20 through 23, when Jesus prayed for us, starting in verse one, Jesus had been teaching and he had been proclaiming specifically about who he is as the bread of life, the light of the world, he's the temple, all these things, and then he's talking about uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and how we will overcome the world through life in him and, and in the Holy Spirit. And then in verse, chapter 17, verse one, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he prayed, 
And there's not, like we, we know from scripture that Jesus prayed often, but we don't have a ton of his prayers manuscripted out. And for some reason, this, this whole chapter is the prayer of Jesus. And I, I just want you to hear some of the highlights and then we're gonna focus again here in just a moment. So he lifted his eyes to heaven and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you've given him, the son, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And here it is, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So here's eternal life, you ready? That you know God by knowing Jesus. This is Jesus praying this, right? The only true God. Here's what he's also saying in that prayer. No other religion is true. (laughs) Isn't that bold? Pray that in front of your friends. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth. I've accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Here's what Jesus is saying. Man, I'm... I'm, I'm heading to the end of this assignment and I'm ready to get back to where I started in heaven. Some people want to debate, you know, was Jesus eternal? Here it is right here. He's saying, God, I want to get, I'm going to come back to the place where I was before it all started. All right, anyway, he's praying. So let's stop unpacking this prayer. You ever get interrupted in prayer? Anyway, I'm interrupting Jesus' prayer here. He said, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me and they've kept your word. Now, They know that everything that you've given me is from you, for I've given them the words that you gave me. Jesus always taught what the Father was teaching, right? He said, I've given them the words you gave me, and they know they have received the words you've given and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. Here he is praying for his disciples. I'm not praying for the world right now, but I'm praying for those who you've given me, for they're yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them, and I no longer, I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. This is his prayer for his disciples. God, keep them in your name, which you've given me that they may be one, even as we are one. He's starting to pray for unity for the disciples. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, talking about Judas, that the scripture be fulfilled. Skip down with me to verse 15. I don't ask that you take them out of the world. Let me tell you something. If you've ever been in a scenario where you're begging God, Lord, get me out of here. These people are crazy. Everybody at my work is, you know, whatever. Jesus prayed for his disciples. I'm not praying to take them out of the world. Watch this. I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Listen, how do we exist in the world we live in? By the Holy Spirit guarding us from evil. Here's what Jesus prayed. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them. One of my favorite verses, verse 17. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them different in the truth. And your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is Jesus' prayer for his disciples, the 11 that are remaining after Judas. And then watch this in verse 20. Here's where we're gonna pick up. I don't ask for these 12 only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Raise your hand if you believed in Jesus because of the words of the apostles. Hey, I want you to know something. Jesus prayed for you. 
I don't know if you've ever known that or not, but the Bible tells us where 2,000 years ago, Jesus had a prayer meeting with God and he prayed for you and me. He prayed for us. He said, I'm not praying just for these 12 disciples. I'm praying for everyone who will believe in me through their word. Watch, here's what he prays, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them. How many of you know God's given you his glory? Hello, that's a great verse right there. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. The third time he says it. So that the world may know that you sent me and so that the world may know that you've loved them even as you loved me. God, thank you for this beautiful prayer. <clears throat> and I pray that we would never stand in the way of your prayers being answered. God, we would see it fulfilled in our life as a church, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you like this or not, but I have a short list of people that I know can pray. And when I'm in a bind or when I need some, somebody to hear from God for me, I reach out to these folks. I can name some names in this room right now, but I won't embarrass them whether it's a tough spot at work or I'm praying about things going on in my family or I'm just seeking God for direction in my life, I have a group of people that I love to call to prayer. I'll text them, hey, be praying. I've got some things going on. Would you please pray for me? How many of you have that person or that group of people in your life? Come on, you need to have, all right, a lot of you aren't raising your hands. Either you're stubborn on a morning or you don't have those people. Let me just encourage you. If you have that group of folks, that is incredible, that's really great. It's like having a, it, it's having a road crew to help you through life, but I wanna encourage every one of you to have a group of intercessors and lean on them. If you don't feel like you have somebody to reach out to for prayer, I wanna encourage you strongly to make it your goal this week to build a team of prayer partners, build a team of intercessors, and the best way to do that is Join a small group, everybody. Come on now. The fastest way for you to have a prayer team is to join a small group. One of the things I love every week when I lead my small group is the first thing we ask after we all sit down, I go, hey, what are we celebrating and what are we praying for? What are we praising God for and what are we praying to the Lord for? And man, we pray every single week for the needs in our group. You need a group of people on your prayer team. Everybody in this room, everybody listening to this sermon needs a prayer team. But how many of you believe if Jesus was on your prayer team, he'd be a good one to enlist. Hello, think about it. If Jesus Christ himself called you and was like, hey, you need prayer for anything? Would you be like, nah, man, I'm good. Just you know, go, go check in with my neighbor down the street. Like, are you kidding me? If Jesus Christ was gonna pray for you, he's a good one to have on your prayer team. I, I actually want you to know, like Jesus would know how to pray, he'd know what to pray, and I think if Jesus prays it, it's probably gonna happen. Do you think the father's going like, I, I don't know if that's my will. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Give me a couple days. If Je Jesus only knows how to pray the father's will. Jesus only knows how to speak and do the will of God. So I think if Jesus is praying for you, it's probably God's will to happen. In fact, anything Jesus would pray, hey, this is the caveat for the whole sermon, the covering for the whole sermon. If Jesus prays anything, you can pretty well guarantee that's something the father wants. In fact, the Bible teaches us in Romans 8, 34 that Jesus currently sits at the right hand of the Father and what is he doing all the time? Praying for us. That's actually what Jesus is doing. So I kind of, I, I, I hooked you in on this, but Jesus is on your prayer team. He's actually praying for you all the time, praying to the Father on your behalf. 
In John 17, this whole chapter is a prayer from Jesus. It's so beautiful yet so simple. Prior to that, uh, prior to his crucifixion, he prays that his life would glorify God. He prays that salvation would come to people through knowing God by knowing Jesus only. Then he prays for his disciples that God would help them make a huge impact, that they would, be, uh, they would stand apart from culture, be sanctified, that they'd be resistant to the devil. And then he turns his attentions and his prayers towards us. I mean, it's pretty fascinating to think that Jesus would pray for me and you and our kids and, and everyone in this church. So I want us to unpack this prayer, specifically verses 20 through 23. It's a really simple verse, but it's powerful. The prayer of Jesus for all Christians. This is where we're gonna start. The prayer of Christians, Jesus for all Christians. Look again at verse 20. He says, I'm not praying just for these only. Jesus starts by praying for the world to come to faith, and then he starts praying for his 12 disciples, and he says, I'm not praying for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that is now Christians for all generations. It's for everyone who would believe. Jesus is not praying for the world at this point. He's not praying for unbelievers, but he's praying for any Christian who would believe in Jesus through the teachings of the apostles. And here's what he prays. By the way, I could spend an hour on what he doesn't pray for. He doesn't pray for your victory. He doesn't pray for your breakthrough, your financial comeuppance. He don't pray for your healing. He doesn't pray that over us. That's just really interesting. The things we only pray about sometimes is not what Jesus prayed for. He prayed for one simple thing. He said, Lord, I pray for everyone who believes in me that they may all be one. Just as And he gives this really beautiful heavenly example. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they may be in us. First off, you have to realize that Jesus is praying for us. I mean, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is a prayer for you. And I, I think if Jesus prayed it, it's what he wants. And I think if Jesus prayed it, it should happen. And I also think if Jesus prayed it, we should never stand in the way of that happening. If you've come to faith in Christ because of the teachings and the ministry of the word that has come through 2,000 years of church history, then this is a prayer for us. Remember what I asked earlier. If Jesus prays for something, how many believe God hears it? And it's God's desire, right? Because he only, he only is about what the Father desires. And so he prayed that we may all be one. Another word for that is united, that we have unity, that we be in one mind and one heart with one mission, one church, one gospel, one Christ. That we, the Christian community, not just at LifePoint, but around Clarksville, around this nation and around the world would all be in unity. That's an amazing prayer, think about that. It's actually interesting because God understood in the, in the Old Testament when the human race was trying to build a tower to get to God, he said if they unite, they can't be stopped. And so now, so God dispersed them and he gave them a bunch of languages and he said, look, let's, that's where we get the story of the Tower of Babel and, and, and Babylon began, right? So all the nations like warring against one another. But now Jesus is praying is not in their own effort or in their own ideologies, but in me that now they find human unity. Interesting. That we be united, one heart, one mind, one gospel, one church, that the Christian community all around the world would be united. Can you imagine? Listen, I just want you to understand what's happening in the world around us, not in the church. 
Our whole world is trying to force us into a united front with their cause against the church, against faith, against the values of the scripture. Take on their ideologies, take on their latest uh, political thing, take on their, their fight against other nations. And our whole world is pushing us and urging us to unite to different beliefs, different worldviews. Everybody's fighting for everyone else to agree with them, believe like them, and behave like them. And if you don't come into unity with them, they'll cancel you, shame you, attack you, invade you, or kill you. But Jesus prayed that Christians all be one. And the oneness for the Christian, the united nature of Christians, is that our oneness is directly tied to our intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's the only time in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus prays for Christians of the future. It's the only recorded prayer that we have of Jesus praying for us, you and me, in 21st century American Christianity, right? And and he prayed for this one thing. He didn't pray for you to have more spiritual gifts. He didn't pray for you to become a better influencer. He didn't pray for your breakthrough. He didn't pray for your kids. He didn't pray for your sick relatives. He didn't pray for you to get rich. Listen, I'm not diminishing all of that. I'm just saying the one thing Jesus prayed for is probably something we should be praying for more. I think you should pray for your family. I think you should pray for breakthrough. I think you should pray for all those things. But man, when's the last time you pray that the body of Christ would be united? Jesus prayed for us to be in unity, that we'd be one. And he gives this heavenly example for our unity. He didn't pray, let them all be the same, let them all behave the same, let them all be one by by following one earthly leader. The heavenly example of unity is he and the Father. Look what he said. Just as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. I mean, listen, that, the, the intimacy of the, the Godhead is so unbelievably, like we can't even get our head around it, honestly. But here, the best way I know how to illustrate is with my hands, so I don't have a whiteboard for this. Jesus is saying, as, as you are in me and I'm in you, I mean, there's this just coupling together. It's this total merger of the heart of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Here's what he's praying, that they would be in us. Not that they'd be like us, they'd be in us. Not that they would emulate us, but they would be with. Here's what he's praying for you. Church, look at me. Here's what he's praying for you. That when I see you, I see a person hidden in, found in, abiding in, dwelling in, known in, walking with Jesus all the time. You know what makes us the same? Is we're both hidden in Christ. Because I'm tall, you're short. I'm white, you're black. I'm male, you're female. I'm from the south, you're from the north. I'm politically this side, you're politically that. All of those other Babylonian distinctions tend to divide us. But what makes us the same is we're both hidden, found, abiding in him. That's his prayer. Man, let me tell you something. Jesus understood this. He talked about it all the time, that we'd be in total harmony and unity and agreement with God. Like, listen, unity is not us being the same. Unity is us being in the same place, which is in him. We are to be in him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I, like, this is just unbelievable, right? 
His prayer is not make them look alike, make them talk alike. He said, invite them into our place. Jesus modeled this multiple times. He'd say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He'd say, I don't do anything that the Father's not doing. I mean, he's such a great model. By the way, Jesus, God the Son, entered into the human experience to teach humans how to be with him. Some people go, well, he's Jesus, of course. He was like that because he's Jesus. And the, the reason he took on human flesh is to show you it's possible. You'll never be God, but you could be with God. He modeled it. He would say that he never did anything that the Father didn't want. He lived to glorify God the Father. In fact, his prayer starts in John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you've given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and me whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth. That's how we live in him. That's our lives. Listen, Paul understood this. He said, for me to live is to live in Christ. He would say, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. Paul said, I am hidden in Christ. I think it's the book of Hebrews talks about abiding in Christ, finding a habitat in the Lord. You ever go camping? Like to me, camping is one of the most, um, I don't understand it. Like I got a perfectly good bed at the house. You want me to go live on the ground where it's freezing cold? I don't get it. I will glamp all day, but not camp. I don't get it. But anyway, camping is one of those things where you're, you're in a foreign environment and you've brought the items you need to survive, to abide, to dwell, to live, and to like, to make it. And that's how I feel like our life should be in Christ. It's a foreign environment if you don't, if you're new to God. And by the way, because we live in earth, heaven and, and like intimacy with the Lord is a foreign environment to the world we live in. But we bring ourselves there and we pitch a tent in his presence and we, we, we snuggle up and we get our jammies on and man, we just get into life with Jesus and we abide we find a habitat with the Lord. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? How many of you want to go camping? Not me. All right, praise God. Got camping small group. We just started it right back there. Jesus taught us in John 15, just two chapters earlier. He said, if you'll abide in me. Abide is a word for dwelling, living. Like every one of you went to bed last night in your bed. I mean, my wife always says, this is my favorite place in the whole world. And that's that feeling. He's like, Man, when you are resting, laying, just doing life in me, Jesus said, if you abide in me and, I'm, and my words are abiding in you, then whenever you pray and ask whatever you want, it'll happen because you're, you're praying in response to what I want in you. Does that make sense? I don't know if you're hearing this word or not. I feel like I'm preaching to me and I love it, so I'm gonna amen myself. Amen, brother. Thank you. Keep going. I will. Verse 22, he says it, actually he says this prayer for unity three times. In verse 22, he says it again, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. First of all, I want you to understand Jesus is praying for you. Watch this. Jesus said, the glory you've given me, I've given to them. Do any of you feel like you walk around in the glory of God? Well, you should, because Jesus prayed for that for you. It doesn't mean you walk around in your glory. It means you walk around in the glory that the Father gave the Son and now is given to you. 
which is the power of God by the Holy Spirit to overcome sin, to live a spotless life in this world, to walk as sanctified people, to, to lay hands on the sick and then recover, to be able to prophesy into the lives of people. The same glory that God gave Jesus, he has desired to give to you. The church should not be a glory-less people. We should be a people full of the glory of God. My goodness. I've given them the glory of God. Why? So that they may be one, even as we are. So Jesus is praying that we have the same glory he has, the power of God to live for God, to do for God, to bring God the Father praise and honor in this world. Listen, the church should always be like Jesus, not a Christianized version of the world. Are you kidding? This world is so fleeting and passing. We should look like Jesus. But what about my politics? What about our nation? What about our banks? All of it's flat passing before our very eyes. You know what our world needs? More Jesus. And that's on us, that we have his glory and be one, united. Listen, Jesus prayed this one thing, that we be one, like him and the Father. So it's interesting to me, we all want people to do what we say. We all want people to act like we want them to act, believe like we want them to believe, like we want. But if we would all just get closer to Jesus and be united in Christ, it means then we're starting to look and sound and be united more like one another because we're becoming more like Jesus. We don't have to force people to be like us. Instead, we become more and more like him. That's his big prayer. That this church experience, this Christian body, they wouldn't be branded. I mean, honestly, I think one of the things that grieves the Lord, it's from my conviction on this text, is the Christian church is so divided by denominations. I think it grieves the Lord. I really do. And some people are like, well, you know, denominations, you know, it's God's expression. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, his prayer was that we all be one. To denominate something is to divide it. That's actually what the word means. Namos is the root of that word. It's the word for name. And to denomos is to divide the names. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to Jesus. Oh, oh, y'all have all kind of different versions of what you think I meant? Why don't y'all just ask me? Well, we're gonna have a council about this. We're gonna decide based on a majority vote and some gray smoke versus white smoke what God really meant. How about you just shut up and talk to me? says the Lord, not me, Mike. <laughs> That's one of them clips out of context. Pastor Mike thinks he's God. <laughs> As we grow in our relationship and closeness and commitment to Jesus, listen, we grow in oneness with one another because all of a sudden when I see you, it's like, man, you've been with the Lord. I, I've been with the Lord. Look what God's teaching us. Man, I've, okay. And let me give this warning. To continue in disunity as the body of Christ, hey, this is a warning to continue in disunity as the body of Christ is an affront to the prayer of Jesus. I don't wanna be the one who's trying to stop Jesus' prayers from being answered. Well, here's the why. The world needs us to get this right. Did you know lost people are not debating whether a woman can preach or baptism is necessary to salvation. I mean, I'm just throwing out some things that have divided us. 
Lost people aren't caring about whether or not tongues is still available for today or whether you wear jeans and sneakers or robes and dress shoes. Like, the world ain't talking about none of that. You guys understand that, right? Like, <laughs> the world don't care about none of that stuff. Watch this, verse, go back to verse 20. I ask for these, I ask not for these only, but for those who will believe in me through the word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, in me, and I'm in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. You know, one of the greatest ways to testify that Jesus is real, we believe in him unitedly, like in a united front. Like we're, we're joined together and like, man, we love God so much so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Look at verse 23. I'm in you and you're in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved them even as you loved me. You know what our world needs to hear? Look, that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, but we're too busy fighting with each other. <laughs> Christians can't even do missions trips together because we're like, well, what kind of missions organization is it? Are they Baptist? Are they church, bless God? Are they Catholic? Ah! <laughs> what are we fighting over? Are you joking me? Why, do, why is it that the church is like, did you know the Christian church is one of the most denominated religions in the world? Why do you think that is? Because the devil knows we're right, and so he works like crazy to divide us. That's why. You know why other religions don't have so many denominations? Because they're already deceived. Why does the devil have to divide them any further? I just want to say this very plainly and very quickly. The world we live in is clawing at every type of falsehood and lie and fruitless ways to live their lives, to make everyone conform to their way of thinking and living. Our world is desperate for salvation, for peace, for God. Our world, apart from Jesus, according to his prayer, has no hope. The only true God is only through Christ, the only way of salvation. Our world is lost and going to hell forever. Our world has no hope. And the church, the only church that God has established, it's the only organization on the planet that God has ordained to preach the gospel, to share the good news. This is why we do missions. This is why we preach every Sunday. This is why we do small groups. <coughs> our gospel says that he's God. He died for our sins. He offers unconditional love and amazing forgiveness and transformation. We believe that Jesus raised from the dead to defeat death for us, and he is God forevermore. No other religion teaches the message we teach, and we're so busy arguing about the particulars of how we do church that our world is going to hell faster than ever. But our world needs this message. Our world is hopelessly lost without Jesus. Our world desperately needs the church. Listen, the government is not gonna save the world from eternal hell. The economy is not gonna save the world from eternal hell. Political ideologies are not gonna save the world from eternal hell. Being a good person will not save the world from an eternal hell. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will save the world from an eternal hell that is the future for everyone apart from Christ. And our world so desperately needs the church to stop fighting and dividing themselves over third level, fourth level, secondary theologies. Quit arguing about, quit arguing with the Bible and settle on Jesus and let's be found in him. Let's be a united force for good to reach our world for Jesus. In fact, some of the stuff we've just fought over 
It was just never intended debates of the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, these were never meant to become divisive debates. We have stories in the Bible that show a particular way that a thing happened, and we go, oh, let's make a doctrine out of that. You know what the doctrines of the Bible should be? Jesus is Lord. You gotta be born again. You can live a spirit-filled life, and all are welcome at the foot of the cross to repent of their sins and give their lives to Jesus. We get so twisted up over everything else. Listen, one of the most accurate critiques, I feel like I'm yelling, one of the most accurate critiques that the world has about the church is that we can't even agree with our own selves. Listen, I'm not in charge of all the churches in this city. I'm not in charge of this one, Jesus is, but I lead here. Let me just ask us to please commit to being united as we are found in Christ. Can I hear an amen from LifePoint Church? How can, we, how can we reach a world if we don't even agree on how to reach them? How can we reach a world and go, you need to come into the body of Christ, and then they go, well, which one? <laughs> oh, man, how can we reach the world? It's like trying to feed starving people and de- telling them what allergies we're not gonna feed them for. Like trying to feed starving people and then saying, hey, we've got all these options of food. Some of them are really good for you. Some of them are really bad for you. It, how can we reach the world for Jesus if we're too busy dividing, denominating, church splitting among ourselves? What good are we to the world when we keep fighting with each other? Paul asked his questions in 1 Corinthians chapter, well, all, half of it. He confronted the church at Corinth for fighting over trying to be too spiritual. That's one of our Christian fights. I'm more spiritual than you. Well, I speak in tongues, brother, do you? <laughs> I got baptized in the river. I got baptized in the swimming pool. It doesn't count. Like, give me a break. <laughs> Paul confronted the church for trying to be too spiritual, for having hypocritical sex lives. He shamed them for literally suing others, other Christians. Read again in verse 23. I'm in them, you're in me, that they may be one, so that the world may know. He's praying for Christians. It's like you guys are in the family. Just be in the family right. But it's all of this is so that the world may know that you've sent me and you've loved them as you, did you know lost people are, look at this, that you loved them, the world, even as you loved me. You need to go tell your pagan, lost, very far from God coworker, God loves you as much as he loved Jesus. That's what he said. The world needs to know that they are as loved by God as I am loved by the Father. People don't even believe that because we don't love people like that. My God, I'm preaching up in here. Our world needs to know that God loves them in the same way that God loves Jesus. And even as God loves us, he loves people. They will never hear that if we're too busy being divided. So let me just say it this plainly. A divided church will never unite to reach a world that we're called to reach. And when we refuse to draw close to Jesus, where's our unity? In Christ. It's being found in him. Let's go. Let's get back to Jesus. Let's build our prayer lives. Let's have a relationship with the Lord. When we refuse to draw close to Jesus, we'll never be united as believers. And it's an affront to the prayer that Jesus prayed. And the people who lose out are not the Christians. It's the lost people. It's the lost people who will never be reached. So we have to draw near to Christ, be united with him, 
be close to G- closer to Jesus than our fighting so that our world may know that Christ was sent for them and that God loves them so much. Can I hear an amen from the church, everybody? Is this making sense for you guys? So the last thing I wanna say, and then we gotta close. So then let's fight for this. Let's fight for this. Man, when you're in small group this week and it spins into an argument, hey, let's shut that down. Let's get back to talking about what we're united about. Hey, when, when, when we're in the lobby or when we're trying to figure out or, or you wanna go post on Reddit or Yelp about your church, can I just ban that out of all of your lives forever in Jesus' name? Golly, I don't understand doing that anyway. Let's fight for this. Let's fight for being a united church, people who love Jesus, who worship hard, who pray a lot and like are growing in Christ. Psalm 133 writes it like this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. How many of you know it's good and pleasant when people are united? We are feeling the sting of being in disunited states of America. It ain't good or pleasant. It's constantly chaos. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And here's what he says, the writer of Psalm 133. He gives an analogy. He said, it's like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard of Aaron, the priest, running down on the collar of his robes. This is a, an illustration of anointing. So it's good and pleasant. It's anointed. He goes on to say, when they're in unity, it's like the dew of Hermon. You ever get up in the morning and, and like, thirsty ground covered in dew, like it literally waters your ground for you. It's refreshing, it's provision to have dew in the morning. It falls on the mountains of Zion, on the people of God. And watch this, for there, the place of unity, for there the Lord commands his blessing. And what's the blessing? Life forevermore. And eternal life is a united life. I just want you to see the four things that this text shows us. Number one, unity brings anointing. That's the power of God to do anything for God. That, the, the only way people ask, how in the world does your church grow? Because we fight to be united around main things and we, we just refuse to get spun up in drama and, and secondary things. It's refreshing, like dew in the morning. Man, it is God's commanded blessing. I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just be blessed. I want God to command that I'm blessed like 10 commandment style. Thou shalt be blessed. My God, I want that all day, every day. You don't have the blessing of God commanded on your life if you're spun up, stirred up, and always causing drama and division. You're just not. Why would God bless when you're trying to tear things down? And then finally he says, it's life evermore, it's eternal. It's eternal living. So can I just ask us, and I have to close, I'm out of time. Um, can we, as we pursue unity, I, I just wanna give us, I wrote down six areas that I think are worth uniting around as a church and then we'll pray. Let's unite around, we love God and Jesus is Lord of everything. We love God. Hey, when you come to church, get your worship on. Don't be a watcher. Don't be a singer and a spectator. Get, be a worshiper, like bust open the throne of heaven, lift your hands and worship like crazy because we love God. And Jesus is Lord over everything. My calendar, my bank accounts, my family, my me, everything he's Lord over. Second, can we unite around the Holy Spirit and his power? We cannot live this life without the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. More than your own skills and competencies, we need the Holy Spirit and we need his power. God, the Holy Spirit living in us. Let's unite around the word of God. 
Lord have mercy. Like we can't, as the church, historically, we can't even agree on versions of the word. We literally fight over it. We've divided, there are certain churches out there that think any church that doesn't preach from the 1611 King James Version of the Bible is going to hell. You know, the Bible wasn't written in 1611 English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. If you want to get old school, let's go back to those languages. You know, the best Bible is the one you'll read. Read your Bible and do what it says. Quit fighting over it. Let's unite around the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach lost people about Jesus. Teach found people about discipleship. Teach disciples about their redeemed purpose and teach redeemed people about how to serve others. Let's unite around the great commission. Let's unite around the church is the hope of the world. Many of us want everybody to unite on our politics or our Fox News or CNN branded stories. Like, let's unite around the church. It's still good news. It's still a great force for good. We're a mobilized group of volunteers who can change the world. We're the most generous people on the planet. Listen, statistically, Christians are the most generous people on the planet. Christians have the best marriages on the planet. Christians do the most good around the world on the planet. Let's unite around the local church is the hope of the world. Don't make it an hour on your calendar. Make it a part of our lives. I'm gonna go to prayer meetings. I'm gonna be in a small group. I'm gonna pray for my pastors. I'm gonna look out for the church in the city and make sure that churches all around town are being built up. And I'm praying for that Methodist church. I'm praying for that Pentecostal church. I'm praying for the church because the hope of the world is in the gospel of Jesus preached by the church. And then selfishly, can we unite around our own church? Come on, be a part of LifePoint. Be a faithful attender, prayer, servant, giver. Be a person in your church. Like go all in with the mission, vision, values of our church. Man, what we wanna do globally needs to start right here at Rossview Road and at Austin P and at our online campus. Let's commit to the things. God, Jesus has prayed for us that we would be one. How many of you know Jesus loves the church? So you need to love his church. God, in the name of Jesus, we've heard your word today. We've been challenged by it. We've been compelled by it. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to be one. God, that you would continue to pray that message over us, that as you are in the Father and the Father's in you, that we would be in the two of you and the three of you with the Holy Spirit. God, that we would be found in you. Lord, that we'd commit to the message of the gospel. We would be one in the, in the kingdom of God that Lord, we'd be united as the body of Christ. Come on, would you stand to your feet, everybody around this room and lift your hands to God, our King, our Lord and our master and just pray with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in this glorious gospel. I wanna be united with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. I believe you died for my sin. You're raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit and my whole life is yours. I belong to you. I'm hidden in you. I'm forever yours in Jesus' name. I'm all in. I'm all in. Come on, say it again. I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.